Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ball and Chain podcast brought to you by Zen Sports, which is the peer-to-peer mobile sports betting app where anybody can create and accept sports bets with anyone else in the world without the need for a centralized bookmaker. I am your host, Mark Thomas, and we have an exciting, uh, awesome podcast for you today. Uh, first things first, just kind of kicking things off here on the both COVID and sports update front. So things are starting to open up and loosen up across the country. Uh, California has moved into uh, deeper into their phase two. Uh, other states have just opened up completely. And it looks like things are really starting to gain momentum and gain steam in terms of being able to uh, have sports come back. So we all know that MMA and esports have already been back for a while. And this past weekend, Bundesliga came back uh, without a hitch. Uh, obviously, uh, top league, uh, top soccer league over in Germany. Uh, and what was really cool was not only did the games go off without a hitch, um, but Eintracht Frankfurt's uh, sporting director said that he received a tremendous number of calls from all the American sports uh, leaders, uh, just seeing how things were going and asking for more information as to how they executed on everything. So it sounded like that they uh, received inquiries from MLB, NBA, NHL, uh, you know, how they set everything up, how they organized it. So I think just, you know, as each new league comes back online, that just bodes well for the rest too, because for two reasons, one, because there's proof in the concept that it can work uh, and there's policies and procedures in place for how it should work. And, uh, you know, people as a sounding board to, uh, you know, find out from them how things went. But then secondly, also just from a pressure standpoint, you know, if, if XYZ other league is coming back, uh, then, you know, you for your league have pressure to come back too, right? So, you know, as, as MMA came back a couple weeks ago and now soccer's come back and then golf is set to come back next month, well, then the pressure just mounts for all the other leagues to come back as well too. So I think this is really exciting. Obviously it's without fans, but, um, you know, let's just get some sports going back again. This is, this is great for us uh, as a country and as a world uh, to, uh, to be able to have a diversion um, and uh, obviously uh, on the sports betting side, that's exciting too, because then there's some real sports besides just marble racing to bet on. Um, so with that all being said, um, I would like to introduce our guest for today. Uh, his name is Trevor Dripson, and he is the uh, co-founder and CEO of ePlay Digital and Mobile Vivo. Uh, and uh, he is here to talk today more about mobile gaming and all the different uh, ins and outs that uh, come along with that uh, from a development perspective, from a, a partnership perspective, execution perspective, and maybe we can even talk about sports betting uh, and crypto along with that as well. So uh, Trevor, I would love to welcome you to the Ball and Chain podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Happy to be here. Awesome. Awesome. So let's start out with um, more about both companies that you currently have. Uh, so ePlay Digital and Mobile Vivo. So let's talk more about those and have you kind of give an overview of what each company does and how they kind of uh, play into each other uh, and their role and relationship to each other as well. Sure, sure. It, it, it's very, very simple in, in my mind anyway. Mobile Vivo is a B2B company and ePlay is a B2C company. So for years, Mobile Vivo has been building games, apps, mobile products, uh, non-mobile products as well, but primarily mobile products um, for other people. 
And starting about a little over a year ago, we said to ourselves, well, let's build some intellectual property for ourselves and distribute that content, those apps, those mobile games ourselves. So uh, ePlay was was formed to create uh, and publish uh, mobile games, primarily from the intellectual property, from the the same exact team that was that was sharpened by. You know, we were doing stuff uh, primarily for sports, uh, Mobile Vivo, but also for the Academy Awards and other TV shows. And so if you're a project team having to deliver for the Academy Awards, you can't be a day late um, because you missed the night. Uh, the same thing on a, on, a, on a premiere. We did an app for the Hannibal TV series. It uh, was wonderful, but it couldn't miss premiere night. Um, right. And so, uh, so that, that really created a, a sharp, sharp, sharp team that I really wanted to put to work for ourselves too. We, we had a bunch of hunches we wanted to play out in the sports space and the entertainment space and the esports space. And so I, I just worked hard to create an opportunity for us to do that. And Mobile Vivo continues to do B2B work and ePlay um, as of October 22nd with the launch of the NBA season uh, last fall. Uh, we were a game publisher and published our first game, Big Shot Basketball. And so what is Big Shot Basketball and what are the types of games that you publish for some of these big name like league and entertainment brands that you've uh, done so far? Yeah, we were. So we were on the stage a, f- a few years ago. I'm not going to say how many. It was. It, was, it, was, it doesn't seem that ago, <laughs> but um, when something called second screen was was invented and it was coined um and uh, so the four panelists sitting up there one of them said second screen for the first time and uh and a, a really hypey i mean the hype on that didn't last uh, more than a year i don't think maybe 18 months a space was created and this was like like a gambling app is a second screen app twitter screen app facebook is a second screen app but there was also a notion that we would have companions for some of our most popular tv programs and and that's all true we do um and that that may be controlled by a third party it may be different than twitter and facebook um or it may be the intellectual property rights holder or the the content producer themselves um so that that all played out over the over 18 months and so we were building games for other, for ESPN, for Sony, for CBS, Time Warner Cable, for basketball, for soccer, and we've been doing that. Uh, we had done that for for several years um, in what was this hypey second screen space. So, can you clarify and talk a little bit more about what the second screen space is for those that don't understand that? Yeah, including it, myself, actually. It, it really, <laughs> it, it's it, it was it was a moment. Um, it really. So the idea, like I said, gambling um, is kind of a second screen activity, right? You're watching the primary screen at the right. moment it was invented was the television screen. The second screen was your mobile phone or your iPad. And um, the, the, I, the I think the notion was if you were the intellectual, if you were the content creator, um, people weren't really watching your your television program on that first screen. They were on Wikipedia. They were, they were on Facebook. They were distracted. And we were to, to capture that distraction. We even had stats. We knew that uh, 22 uh, times per hour, uh, people were looking down at their devices during a, a television program. And so we, we, we said, well, well, how do we capture that distraction? How do we capture that attention? How do we monetize the second screen 
with content as well. So it was all synchronous. It was it was it was it was all like um, the show starts at nine, and the second screen experience starts at nine, and it and it ends at you know ten o'clock. Um, the show does, and so does the second screen experience. It was all very very synchronous. Um, they, they, there were some that were games, but they couldn't be too game like because then it would distract too much from the first screen. So does that make right. sense? Yeah, and what kind of like activities could people do in these games? um from playing perspective like was it um like actually like almost like playing like i don't know uh madden or something or is it more like basing it off of the actual game that they were watching yes yeah, so, so madden would have been too distracting we we right. would have taken all the attention from the first screen and put it onto the second screen so it was this delicate balance and nobody knew really but we were all pretending to know what we were doing in this moment um uh, it, so it was of course conversation it was prediction it was um, diving deep into characters or diving deep into stats um, and just capturing moments that we were anticipating on the first screen um, and, and, and providing more information uh, on the second screen. Nice. So I have to say that uh, in the last, let's just call it a year and a half to two years, I'm addicted to being on Twitter while watching games. So I'm a huge sports fan, uh, huge NBA, NHL, NFL uh, major baseball, uh, et cetera. I'm a fan. That's, you know, why I got into sports betting, um, and building a sports betting app. And for me, that side entertainment during commercials of the memes of the real time insight game data that just isn't being provided in the broadcast, um, you know, because they don't, well, one, because they're in commercial break, but two, because, um, you know, they just don't have time to do everything. Right. Um, and so, you know, you get all these crazy, amazing insights, you get these super funny memes in real time. I mean, it is it is like what you're saying. It's like a second game um, or a second form of entertainment within the game that you can't get while watching the game. And so I can see how appealing that would be to layer in those types of things, um, you know, in addition to like what people are already watching. Yeah, no, it, 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 I think it made a lot of logical sense. When we had two people in the, Every Lakers home game was broadcast on uh, Time Warner in Los Angeles. We had two people in the control room. Started with one, ended up being two because it was so hairy. And they were they were creating uh, did you knows? Uh, you know, somebody would score a basket, and and they would hit a button on on our back end, and, and the did you know for that guy would pop up. Um, and then they would have a, a, a quick trivia question or a quick. Uh, uh, who's going to score the next basket or, you know, who's going to score the next three pointer. And it was just, it was just, it was intense. Um, and, and that was just to, to, you know, keep up to the, the pace of the game, but also to make sure that, that nobody's fingers could get uh, unbusy with the broadcast in a sense and, and go on to Twitter to go on to Facebook. So right. that was a, a, the thesis um, that, that it was, a, it was a, it was a hyped, it didn't cross the chasm as uh uh, as we say, with the Gartner hype curve, um, it got the hype, but it didn't cross the chasm. Twitter did, as as, as you point out uh, quite quite rightly, um, and and that that doesn't really help the sports broadcast necessarily, right? So there's still a kind of a mismatch of attention because um, if you get drug into a Twitter rabbit hole um, about sports um, or on anything any other experience, um, the advertiser. I'll give you an example. Actually, the the Lakers broadcast we did, um, mm-hmm. uh, one of the big sponsors was going to pull out. Uh, they knew from the from Nielsen stats 
that um, people were not making it through a second ad pod. So in the TV land, what you know, if, if you think about the first ad pod may have happened at 15 minutes into the broadcast. The second, actually, it probably happened mm-hmm. four minutes into the broadcast. The second one happened at 15 minutes, or the or the, the first at 15, the second at uh, at, at the bottom of the hour. Um, they knew that that people weren't making it through the uh, that second ad pod, so they wanted to pull their advertising from Lakers broadcasts. Um, we were brought in basically to make people last on the first screen to a second ad pod. That was, that was primarily our job. Right. <laughs> uh, you pour everything down. We were working to get people to watch six minutes longer. We were able to do that. Um, but you know, it, like everything's just mar- technology marching so quickly. This is like, you know, almost before Netflix. Um, uh, and, uh, it was, you know, it was early days for Netflix and, uh, our, our viewing patterns, were changing very, very rapidly at the same moment, except for maybe sports. But there was certainly, you know, the idea of watching a primetime show uh, premiere at 9 p.m. to the people that used mobile devices the most, young people, was like, come on, this doesn't even make any sense. I'm going to watch it when I want to watch it. Right, right. So it, would you say that um, you play digital or mobile Vivo, um, one business kind of like you spend more time on it than the other uh, or is it pretty equal and how do they play into each other? Like from a conflict of interest, like if you have a big name brand that wants to have you build an app for them, but then you also have a competing one that's similar uh, direct to consumer for ePlay digital. How do you deal with the dynamics of both of those? Yeah. Um, it, it has come up from time to time. We, we, the B2B uh, side of things, we mostly just take things that we can own the back end to. So we're not that interested. Mobile was not interested at all in in owning the front end. ePlay would only be interested in owning a front end. Um, so let's say the the, the app itself, um, if it was a game, because ePlay is a game publisher. Um, and Mobile Vivo would be interested in the back end. So we might we might say no to a gig that said, you know, we had to own the front end and the back end as a B two B company um, because we want right. to be able to utilize the back end. Um, especially in sports, there's so many things you can repeat. Uh, you know, if you do something for basketball, um, like you know, I want to use it for 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 you know, baseball or football, or and, and there's so many things I can I can replicate. So a few scenarios where we've given exclusivity to the back end. A few scenarios where I've said no to the back end uh, IP ownership going somewhere else. Um, so mm-hmm. um, most people are interested. Most um, Clients, most customers, not not consumers, are interested in the the cost effectiveness and of having a multi tenant back end where they're not paying for the full price of the development of the you know for the first time. So they, they appreciate the I guess the cost savings as well as having some existing technology to leverage. Right, and so when you started Mobile Vivo, which you started eleven years ago, is that correct? That's right. Cool. So you know. Being a fellow entrepreneur, I mean, I think one of the ch- hardest challenges is kind of getting those initial first few customers. And, and you know, the first few customers you got wasn't, you know, some small startup. I mean, you got some really big name brands. Um, can you talk about like which uh, clients and big name brands you had as clients um, and how did you um, get them in the early days? You know, when you were just, you know, a small company just getting started out um, and then work your way up to building, you know, the, the reputation to then, you know, of course, I'm sure have inbound interest uh, from those big name brands to be able to, uh, um, you know, have as clients. Yeah, it was, it was, um, 
Because we were in this space, so mobile world started in the, we're going to create videos for mobile phone space, um, a transcoding solution. Um, just you know, about a year before transcoding was, was something that was sort of built into the network and was quite commoditized. And so we could phone almost anybody and say, hey, um, do you want your, uh, do you need mobile video? And the answer would be yes. I, I have a, I have a great story actually. So uh, this is great for sports fans. So I uh, I found a Canadian company. Mobile Vivo uh, was formed in Canada. I found a Canadian company, a leading network uh, telecom provider in in Canada, and they they also um, own a uh, a sports broadcasting unit. So I phoned the the main network, and they said, "Oh, you need to talk to our sports broadcasting unit. They're into mobile video. They, they know mobile video." Yeah, mobile video. You got to go see uh, Dome Productions. They they know all about mobile video. So I go down to uh, Blue Jays Stadium, uh, the uh, the Sky Dome was called at the time, and Dome Productions is located right down there. And and uh, I meet with Bruce. We become good friends. Uh, Bruce and I used to see each other at conferences when those existed um, all the time. And I met with Bruce, and he says, "Well, let me tell you all about mobile video." And he pulls out these little uh, plasticized pieces of paper. He said, here's our 23-foot mobile truck, and here's our 27-foot mobile truck. So this was a moment that some people, like Bruce, defined mobile as the trucks parked outside the stadiums that he could roll up with pulled by a rig, and I'm defining it as something in your hand. And so we laughed, uh, you know, uh, for a good long time about how we were in the wrong, both of us were in the wrong meeting. And uh, it was, it was a massive uh, bust, but it shows you, showed me that we were so early in mobile video that we didn't know whether it was a 27 foot truck with tons of equipment in the back of it. That you rolled six of them up to a stadium or something you could hold in your hand that you might call a smartphone. And um, right. so, uh, so being early, allowed us to you know get silly meetings like that one um but at the same time allowed us to have people say uh well why don't you take the whole library and convert it and and dream it or you know do whatever you do with your mobile video trevor um and send that uh to our clients so we have the mtv of canada it's called much music um, they said, You'll, we'll give you the whole library and, and all of the uh, you know, non-music programming as well. And you can do your transcoding and, and you be the consumer brand as well. So I was trying to be a B2B company, trying not to sell to guys with 23-foot, 27-foot trucks, um, end up uh, uh, licensing. And the story changes rapidly here. Licensing uh, uh, one of the most elite libraries in Canada for digital delivery, for mobile delivery, only to find out about, you know, after the press release was out, after several meetings, after we started doing the work, that the rights, the digital rights, the mobile rights were not available to any of the content. <laughs> that that why, they, why weren't they available if you were working with them to get that? Uh, because they'd acquired uh, TV rights, not digital rights. The mobile was so new, no <laughs> bought or sold mobile rights yet and so as soon as somebody found out about the deal they said no 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 there's a new field of use here um 
you have to buy these rights, not the rights that you bought already. So and, if streaming had been popular back then and you'd been able to stream the game just on a different platform, would that have been allowed? No, no. Um, yeah, the, the, the content rights holders will do naturally, you know, anytime they can. They are, so think about regional sports broadcasters. They, they sold a package of rights to Los Angeles and a different package of rights nationally or a different package mm-hmm. of rights in Arizona. Um, and, and so that's, that's on territory, not on technology, but it's the same concept, whether it's, and, and you know, there's a matrix of technology, territory, and uh, uh, day and date, like when, what's the window? So sports content, not so much, but um, sometimes you can buy the rights uh, for a week later, a week after it's broadcast, now you have the rights. But if, for example, if NBC has the rights to broadcast uh, a football game, um, does why does it matter if I'm watching that via like cable or if I'm watching it on Hulu? Well, it matters. Uh, it depends on who sold them those rights. So if let's if, say it's the NFL as an example, yeah. So assuming NFL s- sells the rights, it mm-hmm. matters to them a great deal. Why? Because they can sell it twice instead of once. Does that make sense? Like, I'm, yeah, I'm, but even though, but like, for I guess the the reason why I'm asking is because so many people have like cut the cord. For example, like I got rid of cable a couple of years ago and just I only use streaming services. Sling for a while now I use Hulu. Um, but my point is, is that <clears throat> I mean, so I guess what you're saying is, is because the NFL would sell it actually really to, um, really to you know NBC, the affiliate from the cable company, versus NBC that has a deal with Hulu. It just feels weird that they wouldn't just sell to NBC and then NBC can broadcast in any way that they want. Well, right. No, no, it, it's um, they, you know, if you, if you own content, you, you want to remain in control of that content. And sure. so in the sports business, it works differently in, in, in other kinds of, because the, there's no league to own that half hour sitcom, right? That's a producer, that's a production company. Uh, it may not be the network. They just bought it for Tuesday nights. Um, they didn't buy it for Netflix. They didn't buy it for Hulu. They didn't buy it for uh, Spain. They, they just bought it for Tuesday night in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so really the industry, um, for as long as I've known the industry, um, thrives on being able to sell the same rights multiple, well, similar rights <laughs> multiple times. And and that's 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 how they package it. That's how they can make money. So whether it's by territory, by, by you know, some sort of temporal uh, mm-hmm. thing or, or by technology. Got it. So then how did you then morph from uh, broadcasting digital videos to mobile games or second screen games as you're kind of talking about for these broadcasts? Yeah, it's a great question. It, re- it really was. So, you know, how do you get th- it was a complicated thing for a beat of how to get video onto all these BlackBerry devices and uh, and uh, Apple devices that came out and Android devices that come out. It was complicated for a while. And then standards and technology consolidation and just um, computing power in the cloud started to make um, those challenges a commodity. And so if you wanted to stay in that business, you could. You had to do the highest volumes because you could. where you used to get dollars, you'd get pennies. Um, and so we started working higher in the technology stack. And I used to produce. I started my career as a snowboard filmmaker 
produced a science television series for a couple of years. And so I, I had that kind of creative part of me, became very, very technical in university, ended up doing a master's and, and, uh, and, and we got very technical, but I always had that creative, um, you know, bone in me somewhere. It's, sometimes it's, it's, it's deeply hidden um, and the technology side would come out stronger. Um, so we started working higher in the stack um, on, on just, you know, um, all the way to games. There's a, there's a, you know, there's all sorts of uh, productivity applications, you know, I can now, I, I don't need to transcode the video, but I need a UI for watching the video. I don't need a transcode or UI for watching the video, but I need a, a mechanism for paying for the video or for, um, uh, metering the video or for, uh, analytics. And so just higher and higher and higher in the stack. And, and eventually we got to building mobile games. So what kinds of games did you first come up with? Cause like, I remember the very first mobile games was like, were like from Zynga, like Farmville and Fishville and all those kinds of things. And of course they've gotten a lot more sophisticated since then. Now I'm not personally a gamer. Um, although we do offer like, for example, in Zen sports, we offer League of legends and counter-strike go game, uh, betting. Uh, but like for purely mobile games, did they have to, what kind of games did you offer? Did they have to be tied to sporting events? Um, could they just be, something random that had nothing to do with sports whatsoever. Just kind of curious, like what the, what the spectrum ran in terms of what those games were um, and uh, like what the reception was uh, for those games. Yeah. So like the, the first, you know, there was lots of smaller games and I built some in university and stuff, but the first big game uh, was really a second screen app um, that had, you know, we, we might have called it gamification or uh, you know, mini games inside of it. Remember, we're not supposed to distract too much from the from the the, the football, the the soccer right. match. Um, so it was for ESPN. It was for the 2014 World Cup, and um, and so we were there. And, and actually, when you think of a uh, World Cup and you think of um, a soccer match, it's not like football. Uh, American football has, you know, 11 minutes of action across what, three and a half hours. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, Dirty little secret know, nobody talks about, right? But yeah, yes, you're right. I, because I was in the second screen space, I know these stats off the top of my head because this was what I was selling all the time, right? I was like, oh yeah, no, you need, you need to do something with all those spare minutes. Of, you need to capture that distraction. So, so the, the, the worst case scenario was the, was the story we told all the time is the 11 minutes of action in, in, in a three and a half hour broadcast. So soccer was a, a little different, right? Because we play 45 minutes without breaks. Uh, we take a short break and then and the game's over in about 90 minutes. It really is. Uh, right. Um, uh, I mean, it, it, you know, different people like it in different ways. Um, so we, we really had to have a different beat for soccer than for basketball, a different beat for hockey than we did for, uh, football, uh, it, you know, uh, NFL. And so we, we became experts in these beats and in these beats, we would mostly, I would say the most gamified thing was, of course, there was a leaderboard. There were points, there were prediction games and what we would call, or what you would call prop betting for sure. Um, except of course there was no, there was no, nothing on the line, but the leaderboard, um, because ESPN wouldn't want to, you know, to get too distracted. They wanted to make it family friendly. They wanted everybody in the house to play and, and, um, on their second screen and the, you would, um, you would predict who would win the next goal or, or um, who would win the game. And, and these, mm -hmm. We, these these panels would come up on your second screen on your mobile phone your iPad, um, 
in sync with the broadcast and you would uh you would tap click but it wasn't they're not twitchy games because i'd be too distracting they're strategy games like uh and and prediction games and trivia games mm-hmm. be the primary um kinds of things that we were being asked to build and uh so uh you know as we as we started to do a lot of those things, whether it was for a, a dramatic series, a sitcom, a game show, an award show, or a sporting event. Um, we we wanted to do um, real games, right? You can't see with the air quotes. Uh, I'm using. Mm-hmm. I think you know we wanted we 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 knew we could do um, more than these. Um, let's not distract too much games, right? <laughs> and, right. Yeah. 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 Exactly. We on those two, um, and and that that's uh, we started turning our attention to that about a year and a half ago of, of saying, well, let's build real games. Cool. And what does that look like? So I saw, I saw, I saw Howie's games. I saw some of your AR uh, games that you have. Um, let's start with the, let's start with the AR piece first, actually. So um, you know, as a technologist, uh, AR has always fascinated me. Um, now I never got into Pokemon, Pokemon Go, but you know I see the the, the application of it. I, I see how exciting and you know augmented uh, as the word is, um, it can you know add to that experience um, you know in real life. And so you know let's start with maybe just building games like that. Um, the, the the building out. I mean, how hard is it? You know, uh, how long does it take to build one? Um, from an AR, you know, perspective, like what does that look like, um, you know, when trying to develop these kinds of games? Um, you know, we'll start with that, and then I do have some other questions after that as well. Excellent. Yeah. So we built this app uh, before I tell the AR story and the games. Right. Sure. There's a there's a kind of a precursor. We built this app um, for a fairly well known celebrity, um, Adrian Grenier. Uh, he was the lead actor in Entourage, uh, and a lot of women know him from uh, the boyfriend in Devil Wears Prada. And uh, Adrian and right. I had, we created a business together. He had this great idea. I loved it. It was called Siggy. And the app allowed you to take a selfie of any of anybody you were with, you know, if it's a celebrity, all the better, and then ask them to sign it right on your phone. And then we had this long pen concept where where if Justin Bieber was on the stage – um, he would be able to sign the whole crowd's photographs that they took um, in the stands all at the same time. They would see Bieber's autograph appear on their um, phone, uh, on whatever photo they selected inside of the Siggy app. And and so there's this, this kind of um, celebrity, uh, meet celebrity concept that, that comes through uh, with that app and with um, augmented reality, and so the beginnings of of let's say Pokemon Go is you're you're meeting the monster, right? Mm-hmm. You find a monster, you meet a monster. Um, that was a big hit. It was easy to say. When I come from a sports world, I come as a sports fan. Easy to say. Well, why do I want to meet monsters? I want to meet NBA players. I want to meet football players. I want to meet Adrian Grenier. I want to meet. Right. Instagram influencers. I want to be entertainment stars, um, not Pokemon Go monsters. Um, I how Harry Potter than uh, Pokemon Go monsters. Pokemon Go monsters, right? And so, you know, how do we make that happen? There's all sorts of rights issues. I can't just you know put Howie uh, into a game. I can't put Harry Potter into a game. The Pokemon Niantic, the producer of um, 
and developer of Pokemon Go just couldn't put Pokemon monsters into the game. They have to work out the rights issue. So that, that's 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 a, a, a you know we talked earlier about what a, a land a mine or a field of what do we call a minefield that could be. Um, so you have to navigate that minefield. Um, so we decided to do NBA, where you'd meet NBA players in the game. But first, you had to find them. So like Pokemon Go, you had to find basketball players. When you found them, their real-life performance, their on-court performance, helped you win challenges. So if I found LeBron, and it's not easy to find LeBron, um, if I found <laughs> LeBron, um, I would probably do well in the three-point challenge that I can enter on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a season-long basis, the playoffs, etc. A little like fantasy sports meets Pokemon Go. Yeah, I was going to say. Right. Yeah. Um, we, you know, we often, uh, um, characterize that way when we're talking to, to, to men and, uh, you know, you know, just stop at Pokemon Go meets NBA when we're talking to, um, uh, kids or women, because they don't always know what fantasy sports is, <laughs> All right. uh, you know, it, just, uh, the two different audiences, uh, we can appeal to in both ways. So now, now I, I want to find LeBron's coin, and I finally did. It's very difficult. I got lots of tips. I found his coin. I tap on him. I'll get to the augmented reality piece in a second. Um, and but it's not only was it hard to find. I have to compete for it. I have to win a mini game. So now there's a mini game that I have to play inside of it. It's a twitchy game. It's a it's a curbside game. Remember we talked about a game that you could play without being distracted from the first screen. Mm-hmm. But our goal was to make sure you could play a game that you could play on the sidewalk, um, a, you know, focused on beat without getting hit by a car or you know getting too distracted. Right. <laughs> that might put a damper on the game. Right, a sidewalk, <laughs> sidewalk use case. Uh, and then if you won, you would you know you, you had found LeBron, you won the game, you got um, uh, you got LeBron's avatar. And he shows up in the 3D scene, which is a kind of a basketball, outdoor basketball court on your phone. You can pose like we kind of did with Siggy, but Siggy we did in real life. This was in virtual world. Um, you can pose your user avatar and you've customized it. You've made the face the way you want to. You've bought the jersey you want, the clothes, the backpack, the sunglasses, or you've earned them for free. Um, you've purchased the skins and you and you pose next to a LeBron in this 3D scene, or you hit the little switch and he's in your backyard, your living room, your office, your school, um, wherever in, in augmented reality. So two avatars or one avatar, depending on how you, uh, uh, when you hit, hit that little switch, um, show up um, on your phone and you the rear facing camera shows you your environment and the avatars um, show up just as they do in the 3D environment. They just show up with without a background, with your rear-facing camera as the background. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this. So you know, obviously being in the sports betting world that uh, I am and we are, uh, you know, I think it's always interesting to find and look at the new opportunities for betting. Um, do you see any opportunities? Uh, you know, the, the, the companies, you know, maybe aversion to it aside for a second, although they're warming up to it, which we can talk about. Um, you know, do you, do you see real money betting ever coming into play with some of these games? Or do you see that just not as an option for whatever reason? 
So, um, yes, I, I, I say yes, but maybe not quite in the way you're thinking, but let me describe to you what we're already doing with that. Um, and then we can we can move back to maybe where I think you might be thinking. So sure. those mini games, those twitchy little mini games, shoot a basket, you know, match three colors the same. Those those um, mini games we spin out as standalone games and allow people to play head to head for cash. So you and I are playing. Um, there's a, there's one of one of the Howie Mandel games, and we can talk a little bit more about Howie yeah. Mandel. There's but one of the Howie Mandel games is called Outbreak. And so I spend 60 cents in, in a version of this game where you can play for cash prizes as a free version and, 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 and another free version. But you, the idea is you, pay, you, you play head-to-head for currency, virtual or real. Mm-hmm. Um, you spend 60 cents. I spend 60 cents. We both think we can win that dollar prize. The house takes 20 cents. The winner takes a dollar. Right. Um, so... Uh, that cash prizing, that kind of head-to-head esport, um, is something that we're doing with all of the mini games that we build into our what we call our flagship games, um, and Big Shot Basketball being the first one of those. Um, so that's that's one way. So, but you're betting for yourself in that scenario. In in the in Big Shot, in let's say the three-point challenge, you're betting for the leaderboard. There's no cash prizing in it, um, and you you want you know the, your nine player team, your three player team, be better than everybody else's. We could do cash prizing on that. We could do head to head betting on that. We could do other kinds of of betting inside of that. We don't, for probably two reasons. One um, is it's probably a little off brand for a Pokemon Go style game uh, meant for the family and kids maybe a little off brand maybe a lot off brand depending on your perspective on that um and uh the second is it's probably not very fair that it's so hard to pick lebron i had to play the game a whole bunch i had to win this other game on the way and now i can finally pick lebron and it maybe took me three months (laughs) maybe took me three weeks maybe it took me three days all of those may be unacceptable to a to a somebody who hey I just want to wager on on the three point challenge tonight. Um, right, right. So and 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 you know what's interesting uh, what you say about that because in the traditional sports betting world you see a big decline right now in like futures betting um, for kind of the same reason is that people don't want to wait three months or three weeks to have an outcome come into play. Um, they don't want their money tied up for that long. They don't want to wait. You know, we're obviously in a very kind of you know. Uh, you know, uh, now, now, now kind of culture. And so to have that be something that somebody has to wait for, I can totally understand what you're saying that we, we even see like in traditional sports betting where, you know, futures betting is just like, I don't want to sit and bet on this and wait six months for, for the result. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I think a a game like um, big shot basketball could be a, an introduction to fantasy sports um, mm-hmm. for a young audience. Again, that'd be a little off brand. Like I, I, I wouldn't walk around, you know, I, if I was talking to somebody else today in this podcast, I was on, uh, you know, CBS uh, kids. Yeah. I, would, I mean, I would never say anything like that. Um, right. uh, that doesn't mean it's not true. That, that's, it's, it's not a little bit of a precursor to it. We don't market it that way. I, I try and I try not to do that. Um, sure. Both 
time, but but it's easy to relate to these things for those of us that, that gamble or no fantasy sports. Yeah, well, and the other thing too is is that you know, like you know, as a mobile app, uh, you know, for the App Store and Play Store, you know, you'd almost probably have to have two different versions of it. Um, you know, one that is uh, you know for adults only, and then one that's for kids, and you know, you have to have tight controls around that as well too, and yeah. all sorts of stuff because it would be hard to mishmash or mix up the um, user experience once the game starts and try to segment that out adults versus non-adults. I mean, I suppose it'd be possible, but it gets a little tricky. I think so, we, I mean, where you guys are, um, and, 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 you know, by the time we finish that, right, <clears throat> we end up with your app. By, <laughs> and it's kind of like, well, <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, we're, we're definitely, there's no, <laughs> there's no gaming. We do have live streaming in uh, Zen Sports, but we don't have, uh, we don't have any kind of uh, gaming and certainly not any AR kind of right. uh, gaming. But the, yeah. one of the reasons I'm bringing this up is, I mean, this is a little bit, this is a little bit off topic, but still like, you know, we, we believe that traditional sports betting is skill-based um, just for the pure fact that if you study it, do your research, understand it, Etc. You can actually come out ahead in the long run, um, you know. So it's it's just just like as another example, like poker, right? Um, in terms of being skill based, of course, uh, the law has not yet recognized it like that. The law has recognized daily fantasy sports as skill based, but traditional sports betting isn't. And there's all this weird political stuff that goes into it, which again is a topic for a different podcast for a different day. But the reason I'm bringing it up is you could really, really, really make a very I think a very clear cut argument that what you're providing is, or that what you're doing is skill based gaming. And, you know, I mean, I mean, theoretically, assuming like people are of age, you know, that's, there's really, it's no different than entering a bowling tournament or, or anything like that, where, you know, you're competing your own with your own skill uh, with, uh, you know, cash prizes at the end. Yeah. And a lot of the things, um, are sort of built inside of these these let's call them larger titles these these, these games these what we call flagship games. Um, we've got one uh, a streak challenge, and the the streak is 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 basically pr- make a bunch of predictions from multiple sports tonight. If you if you get four right and zero wrong, your streak is live. If you do the same thing tomorrow night, you're you're at four games right and zero wrong, your streak's at eight. Um, and we do these virtual cash out prizes at different levels. Those could be real. That's that that's that's seen as a um, not gambling. It's seen as cash prizing. You do cash prizing out, and we we've looked at this a bunch of different ways to turn it into cash um, and bring it into a, a standalone app. But it also exists. See if we can have it in two places, we're really happy because we can monetize it just like. You know, I learned from dealing in the TV world, if you can sell it on three different technology platforms and 60 different territories um, and in, uh, in, in four different uh, time windows, um, you'll make more money off the exact same intellectual property. So if we do cash pricing in one and virtual uh, currency, not crypto, but virtual currency and in another, and you know, it's just for the leaderboard, for the kids, for uh, um, uh, a third, um, same IP. I've now I've split it up three ways and it's still all in English, right? I haven't even localized it yet to another language. So um, I am now going to use that as a springboard to talk about, talk about cryptocurrency. (laughs) Since since you mentioned the word currency um, and this is a sports betting and cryptocurrency podcast. So what is stopping 
gains from implementing cryptocurrencies? Is it still that it looks and feels too much like real cash components um, versus uh, traditional currencies or I'm sorry, virtual currencies? Or is it um, it's just it's just new tech and, you know, just hasn't been widely adopted in these kinds of formats yet. Just kind of curious what your thoughts are with regards to cryptocurrency and mobile gaming like the games that you've described. Right. I guess I thought um, I, I guess we probably all thought it was going to move faster. Um, we'd see more of that in our mobile games. It would cross the chasm, you know, where second screen failed uh, to cross the chasm. It got hyped, but didn't cross the chasm. Um, I think we expected to see more of that in games. We expected to see a, a coin across games. And I, my, my feeling on it is this. <coughs> um, mobile games in particular are, are majority played by women. Um, they're not majority played by by men. Um, where console games, you'd see um, majority played by young people and males. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so so then the question becomes: How do I get my mother-in-law to bet on her Candy Crush skills? Right. And that's a pretty long reach. That's a pretty big chasm to throw a plank over and just walk across um yeah maybe you have to know my mother-in-law um but i think <laughs> well, and, and cryptocurrency skews very very heavily male as well very heavily I, male. <laughs> and and so i i think that's one of the reasons is that the main reason i don't know it's it's the main reason in my life because i you know i i'm married to a woman i have a daughter I go for nightly walks, especially now under under uh, pandemic with my mother-in-law. I hear about her gaming and, and what she's doing, and she's doing a lot. She's doing more than you and I are, um, and I make them, and, and, <laughs> and you're younger than she is. You should be playing more. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a big gamer back in middle school and uh, and some in high school. I just I couldn't – I was playing like 12 to 15 hours a day. And for some reason, I don't know, what. right when I went up to school um, – college i just I stopped for some reason um but like i, I certainly understand the appeal i mean I, I, right. games are great um so yeah no that makes that makes all a lot of sense and i mean i think chasm, and then there's at least one reason let's, let's say gender um is one reason there, there's there's many yeah but that's that's one sure 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 i also think there too is <clears throat> it is a, a you know a, a newer technology right like when people hear cryptocurrency um first thing they think of is maybe bitcoin right and then once they think of Bitcoin, they think of volatility, you know, in price, like, oh, that thing goes up like 20% one day and down 20% the next. And they don't equate it to like real world applications. And like, you know, of course, shameless plug here with Zen Sports, like we we feel like there's a lot of real world use applications for crypto. And I think that this kind of gaming, I one of the reasons why I feel that way, just to kind of dive into that with cryptocurrencies, I believe you get almost the best of both worlds. So with traditional Fiat and government currencies, of course, you have a store of value that you can use for something. And then with virtual currencies, you have the digital aspect of it and the aspect that it can be implemented and integrated into any technology, um, possibly can be transferred from one place to the next, et cetera. Uh, crypto does both. Um, and then they also got the extra layers of um, you know, the fact that it's all transparent on the blockchain, each transaction is verifiable. Uh, there's no chargeback. So once you send the money, like, you know, you're, you've got it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's significantly cheaper than traditional fiat. 
So I, I think I think also part of it, it, yes, you're right. Part of it may be a demographic thing, but I also think part of it's just it's just early, right? You know, crypto is in its early. You know, to use a sports analogy, it's probably inning two of a nine inning game for crypto and blockchain technology. And so we've just got a long ways to go, um, you know, uh, but in a good way, like it's it's a huge opportunity that I think will only just continue to take off. And yeah, it's not going to be like all of a sudden boom, widespread in every game uh, by the end of this year. But, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things that as it, it starts to get added to certain titles or certain games or certain formats like sports betting, um, boom, then people see it can have a real world application. It's fun. All the benefits are just kind of laid out. And then, you know, then from there it takes off. So, yeah, um, it'll, it'll need another push. Like it was so sorry. hyped. It was hyped like second screen was right. I, right. I, 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 you know, I, I said to my team during the second screen phase because, you know, I, I, I said this is this is going to be um, not very popular. People aren't going to use this word. They're going to look. I said, I said quite honestly, I said it's a, it's going to be a swear word by the end of this year. I would say, you know, eight months out. And I said the same thing about cryptocurrency. Um, it was so hyped. And if you well, got such a bad rap with the ICO, uh, you know, ICO mark in two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen. Yeah, it was just so so hyped, and and almost nothing. Very few things can live up to that hype. That doesn't mean it's dead. That doesn't mean it doesn't eventually cross the chasm. To your point, um, it's it's just that it, it actually goes through another cycle, um, and, and and sometimes it can be a long long cycle. Um, right. Um, and and I don't know, like mobile games, I don't think had a had a real big problem crossing the the chasm, um, but. Um, you know, other things too. And I've been involved in lots of those things. <laughs> right. Well, mobile games, I mean, it, it was just, it was, I mean, it was, it was a very clear and obvious use case, uh, oh, at least in hindsight, uh, you for know, sure. for, for, for phones, right. Um, for things to do on your phone besides talk or text. Yeah. Uh, so, and then obviously, you know, as the social networks came out, you know, and those could be integrated into there from a sign up perspective and, um, you know, just it definitely made natural uh, sense uh, to do that. So uh, I do want to talk next about um, kind of like COVID and its impact on, um, you know, the, your business, I guess, in general, but then also like on gaming itself. And um, and then also I want to get into Howie's Games because I know that's a, you know, a, a, a big uh, COVID related kind of initiative. So what was that? It's kind of related. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's first start. Let's, let's break that into two pieces. So let's first start with, you know, how has COVID impacted your business and or uh, the gaming market, uh, and then we'll get into the Howie's Games piece second. Perfect. Yeah, it, it's difficult to separate the two, so I think it, it'll probably just flow pretty naturally. Um, Absolutely. So I woke I, I woke up in the middle of the night, uh, mid March. Um, I think it was uh, the day the NBA was the night the NBA was shut down, and I said, "Oh my God, our flagship game is a basketball game based on real time NBA data, and I don't know when there's going to be another basketball game." Quite honestly, I don't know if it's going to be in a month. I don't know if it's going to be in in the playoffs. I don't know if it's going to be a year from now. I, I, I don't know when there's going to be. <coughs> and the primary game mechanic was go outside and walk around aimlessly to look for basketball players. So our game mechanic was not um, quarantine compatible. And the premise, uh, based on NBA, was not quarantine compatible. Um, and I, I fell asleep. I don't know how, because I thought my business was done. Um, and maybe that's why, maybe that's why I fell asleep. I said, oh my God. Oh, <laughs> Anything is better than facing this. 
<laughs> I fell asleep. I woke up the next morning and I put together a plan. I met with the team. And I said, we got two options. I, I, I can run across the country because I got nothing else to do. Um, and, or we can figure out what the quarantine compatible version of our company is. Um, first, how do we fix the game mechanic um, to allow people to play from the couch? So how do we add teleportation and auto walking and auto running and the kinds of things that um, we should have thought of before for our big shot basketball game? How do we add those mechanics in so that people can sit on the couch and play? That was, it was kind of an easy solution. It was fun. It's actually way cooler game with teleportation. I can go on the Santa Monica pier without facing the traffic, even if I'm in Culver city and could have walked there. But I, I'm too lazy. I just want to. I just. I just want to go to Santa Monica Pier because because I heard LeBron might be, be nearby. Right. And uh, so I can just teleport there. I can teleport from anywhere in the world. So that game mechanic was one thing. We had the mini games inside of Big Shot Basketball. Uh, we couldn't do the three point challenge anymore because there was no real world data to play off of. Um, and there may not be for some time. So, so we have to fix and, and beef up the challenges, the mini games inside of our flagship um, games. Luckily, we were doing some of that for a similar game for Howie Mandel. And so we could turn our mini games in Howie Mandel into mini games into big shot basketball change the theme out to be more basketball oriented if we like or not and have how we appear in the big shot basketball game he's a basketball fan he, he can give you uh, help on how to uh, play the game in quarantine mode uh, so that you can go and get you can teleport and and auto walk instead of walking in real life um and like other celebrities in the game like robert ory and lindsey mccormick and another instagram influencer that we haven't announced yet uh, that are in the game they have special powers um so uh that was that was our that was our big shot solution we said okay we don't have to shut our doors we don't have to go on hiatus even though sports is on hiatus um, we just have to fix the game mechanic and fix this connection to the NBA. We still have um, the ability for NBA fans or just people who like games and happen to recognize LeBron James's name or or anybody else's uh, name or have a favorite team, um, and they can still enjoy the game. And how was that received? Um, we haven't released the <laughs> game mechanics yet. So we don't know. Uh, we're testing those game mechanics in an, our second flagship game, the one for Howie Mendel. So instead of rushing, I, I don't. I I happen to believe there won't be a, a basketball season of any type uh, for a little while. I'm, I hope I'm wrong. Um, we disagree because I think it's coming back in July. <laughs> I'm really wrong. I hope it's back in July. Uh, and, uh, and we can introduce that game mechanic overnight um, okay. when it's ready. So what we did is we spun out all the mini games into standalone games. Um, and one or two of them so far to help with charity. And we took our efforts as we were working with, with uh, Howie Mandel and, and started to reconceive how those were, were going to work. Um, and so as a, I, I think uh, COVID related, like to the business, 
first we had to figure out whether we had a, a, a quarantine compatible business. Then we had to figure out how long quarantine was going to be. Nobody knows. Um, uh, how long sports will be on hiatus for nobody knows. So we couldn't answer those questions. So we had to do the, the things we could do to control. So we took those mini games and, and spun them out. And then at the same time, uh, we've been building uh, a game for Howie Mandel since September of 2019, just before we released Big Shot Basketball, we started working on a game about social distancing, about germophobia, <laughs> about diseases and pandemics. <laughs> um, with All the pleasant topics. <laughs> um, <laughs> All the pleasantries. <laughs> things that were in Howie's mind because he's a germaphobe and he's a right. germaphobe. And um, he so really is he like living in bliss right now because everyone else is like on his level at this point. Uh, I mean, I don't think he'd want to say it that way because he he's pretty empathetic with um, how what people are going through. Um, but but his um, he doesn't have the same complications. But I've heard him say to me and to others, um, it doesn't change his world. He still has a, you know a, a serious kind of. Um, mental disorder, really, OCD, um, about germs. So how does he get through that on a show? Sorry to go a little off topic here. I just find that fascinating because he's he's on TV. He has to be on TV. He's going to be in a situation where he may not be able to manage the germ situation. So how does he get through that? Yeah, I, I, I can only uh, – I've, I, I've observed things. I haven't asked him a lot about it. I've, I've watched him. We share an office together in Van Nuys. Uh, it's in his studio, um, and so I, I've, I've watched him. I, I, we we were we, uh, there's a publicity stunt uh, where he wore a hazmat suit, the same hazmat suit that you can buy in this game that we're developing, um, and uh, he wore that to the America's Got Talent, and um, and so I like he he manages it by protecting himself, um, like like somebody who's really afraid of fire would manage their life or really manage, you know, they're really afraid of heights would manage their life. Um, they would do things. They're not always kind of, they don't always make sense. If you're just standing watching, it's kind of like, huh, well, you just expose himself to this, <laughs> so, right. but that's not what he has the OCD about, um, you know, um, hitting the keypad for the security system. It's the doorknob that he's got the OCT about. Um, and so, or, or other things that I don't know, like I, I've only watched, I've, I've watched him do things out in the real world. And, um, and, and it, it's clear that um, some things are on his mind um, way more than they're on um, any normal person's mind, I guess. Um, and other things aren't. And it seems a little inconsistent. It's kind of like, Oh, sure. You know, I could have busted them right there. Right. But that's not the way that the disease works. It's the way my mind works because right. I'm not, OCD, not about that anyway, not yet anyway. <laughs> well, it's just like how some people with a fear of heights, they might be fine with being in a hundred story building uh, at the hot, at the top floor, but they're not okay with going in an airplane, right? right. Um, it's it's one thing feels safe and another doesn't. It's yeah. basically kind of more yeah. or less. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to understand. I'm afraid of all dogs, all sizes. Um, I'm not consistent. I'm, I'm, I never miss a moment to be afraid of dogs. Um, okay. So. So I have a hard time appreciating um, that, but I think that's a different, that's a different disorder. Um, the fear of dogs versus I think what Howie goes through. Uh, I don't like dogs, but I'm not afraid of them. <laughs> I'm a cat person. I, I was either. I wish I liked them and I, and I wasn't afraid of them. <laughs> no, that's understandable. Um, 
So yeah, so just to kind of wrap things up here. So on on Howie's games, uh, like you know, can you kind of just dive a little bit more into like what that is and like what the um, what the premise of it is and and the benefits of it? Like I think there's you know some charitable component to it as well too. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So um, April sixteenth, we are going to shoot a segment for the Ellen Show and launch this flagship game we've been working on. The flagship game, you have to find Howie. But before you find Howie, you have to lure him in. You can't lure him in without finding rubber gloves and some hand sanitizer or a hazmat suit. And so you have to collect these things to lure Howie in. And once you lure him in, you can use a contagion. Maybe it's a sneeze, a cough, or a daycare that you've collected by auto-walking and teleporting around the world or by walking in your real world. Um, and each level of the game is a different disease. And sometimes the diseases we're just making fun of, like they're not, you know, like they're not real diseases. It's like, oh, the, you know, you just gave, so how we will react, you know, because like, oh, you gave me lactose intolerance. I hate daycares. They always make me lactose intolerance. <laughs> always make some sort of joke like this. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so that's that's the whole premise of, of the game but the most valuable lures and contagions of course you have to fight for and so there's these little mini games so howie phones in the in the like so i fled los angeles because i'd seen the pandemic movie it always takes place in los angeles i fled los angeles um the same day heidi klum his castmate on america's got talent phoned in sick and everybody thought she had covid um and and i looked at my phone I booked a flight and I said, I mean, I don't know when I'm going to be back in LA and to my office, but I'm going straight to the airport. <laughs> and so I, I flew uh, home to Canada that same day. I think it was March 9th, a day after I ran the LA marathon. I was just like, okay, I was around 27,000 people yesterday, um, the Sunday, but on the Monday, it just seems too serious. <laughs> 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 well, that, I mean, th th this is a little off topic, but so I, I'm actually, I'm actually kind of the opposite of Howie. Like I have like no fear of germs whatsoever. And I'm actually like, we should be like getting out of lockdown now. And so I've, 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 I have the opposite, you know, viewpoint and so forth. And that is actually one of the things that I say to people. Like, so for example, California lockdown, uh, well, San Francisco lockdown March 16th and California lockdown March 19th. And I said, we know that the virus was here in mid January because somebody, you know, passed away from it in early February. I said, people were running around doing everything as they normally were for two solid months. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, you know, just, is there a problem? It's not really that. I think, of course, there's, there's, of course, components to the, um, to the virality of the spread. I mean, there's no question about that. But I also think some of it can just be mental-like, right? And and humans have a very interesting um, psyche about themselves um, and the brain can do amazing, crazy, wondrous things. And that's not to downplay, you know, the COVID situation because it's obviously very serious. But, um, but it also, I think, is very location-specific. Like New York got hit very hard. Italy got hit very hard. Um, but other locations like in the middle of Montana did not. And so, um, and so I think it's, what you're kind of saying is, is, is I find to be very interesting about the whole pandemic is, is, um, is the play or is the spread of the information and then how quickly people recognize something and they do something. I actually asked a question of somebody the other day. I said, I wonder if social media wasn't around right now, if there would have been lockdowns in general, or if it would have happened as quickly as they did. I have a feeling the answer would have been no. It's a good question. I guess there's no there's no way to know. I, no way to know, right? I sort of feel like in the marathon, I was, you know, looking back at it, I, I was basically outrunning um, the pandemic. I mean, because uh, 
people started dying. Now, maybe we'll find out they were dying that day and the day before and the day before that uh, much more than they did uh, than we know. Uh, maybe we'll find that out. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But um, the timing is very, very important to the rollout of uh, you know something contagious like this, like any virus. Um, if, it's, if it wasn't in the LA Marathon, if there was nobody running the LA, none of the volunteers, none of the 27,000 other people <laughs> I was with, I have zero chance of getting it. Right. Um, but if there was 10, uh, my chances go up a whole lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, ab- absolutely. Well, and that's why testing is so important, right? Because if, if there's testing, you know. I mean, you, you just you just know. And so, um, and that's good that we've really ramped up the testing. And uh, obviously, we still have a long ways to go. But I, I think everything's in the, moving in the positive direction at that standpoint. Um, that's actually one of the reasons why I, I feel pretty well, there's two reasons why I feel pretty confident basketball will be back. That's one of them. But the other reason is, is the NBA in particular is a star driven league. Right. And as you probably heard from the conference call last week, all the stars want to come back and play. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, the top 10 or 12 players really are going to drive. I think that if they didn't want to play, it wasn't going to happen. There's just nothing else to say about it. But if they want to play, there's a pretty high likelihood. I think a deal gets done. Um, and of course, as a Bucks fan, I'm well, they do, they'll, they'll they'll go somewhere where there's yeah. a team and a and a good team owner and a and a and and where the 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 governor is is you know more willing to have them or more loose or there's fewer cases or whatever the 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 testing could be you know uh, uh, boosted or whatever's needed to make right. That. And they talked about Disney World, right? You know, you close it down, turn it into a campus, nobody gets in or nobody gets out, uh, type of thing, and you just have you know, just ongoing rapid testing, like, you know, every single game uh, and the campus or Disney world's already built and already has courts ready to go. Um, obviously you got to work out all the logistics of other, everything else, but uh, I actually don't think it's oh, as bad. Did Ben Simmons, did he go home? Uh, did you know if people went home? Um, I th- so they did originally, they all went to their homes um, and, and sheltered in place or locked down. And then just last week, 20 of the 30 teams opened up practice facilities, uh, their practice facilities to allow their players to come practice. So um, two thirds of the teams have already done that. I think the other one third is doing it this week or so. So they have, I believe, gone back to their home cities uh, for the teams that they play for um, to be able to begin working out again. And now it's just a question of if they come back, is it for the regular season and then the playoffs or is it just the playoffs? Um, so right. I, I, I lean more in the camp of just go right to the playoffs. Um, I don't think it makes sense. Do you think, like, how much will we watch? Well, I think we'll bet the same exact amount. Uh, it'll be interesting because it, it, there'll be new variables, and I think people will be quite interested in that, mm-hmm. um, and, and variables removed. Um, and I, I, I always look at it from a TV point of view because of my background. And it'd be, I'm so fascinated to see um, how we hype it again you know, the comeback is the, is, is a big part of that story, but why we watch sports is because there's one of the reasons uh, we end up watching it is because there's a huge ecosystem that pushes it into our psyches um, from local radio to, you know, local TV to all the sporting goods shops and all the podcasts and the gambling and all those other, they, they feed that beast. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm so interested to see if we can feed a beast in in the in the wrong season like like sports has such a seasonality to it like are we are we ready to watch basketball 
summer. Uh, I mean, sure, we'll watch the first game, but will we keep watching? I, I'm, so not- I, I'm actually at the viewpoint. I think the NBA season shouldn't start till Christmas Day and then should go through summer. Um, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I, I actually think this could be the start of, of, of a new way that they do things in the end, specific just to the NBA. Um, because first of all, July and August are just absolutely Nothing. dead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the regular season of baseball. baseball yeah. And so, I mean, can you, ma- yeah, can you, can you imagine if the NBA playoffs were going in during that time, going on during that time? I mean, that would be amazing. <laughs> so, and then it couldn't, it couldn't, we, we watch the Olympics. I mean, that's every four years. It's a lot of nationalism, you know, it's a pent up demand in that way too. Um, and, uh, and, and, and the nice thing about, I don't know if, if basketball will be able to do this as well, but the nice thing about the Olympics does is it gets a, a broad, broad audience. It isn't just the regulars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and maybe summer, maybe summer, uh, maybe these kind of, if you, if you played games in a concentrated way, like a playoffs, um, it would, it would, it would appeal the way Olympics appeals. And that's because a lot more advertisers can come on board. Um, if you appeal the way Olympics appeal, like you, you can get a Johnson and Johnson and a, and you know, not just trucks and beer. Right. And it also helps the regular season because the regular season, regular season in the NBA right now starts the third week of October. And there's basically two months where it overlaps with the NFL and not saying nobody's paying attention, but a lot fewer people are paying attention. Then if it doesn't start till Christmas day, now you've only got about four to five weeks of overlap with the NFL. And so you know, you, 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 you spread out that attention. So, um, so that you, you have more of it. I mean, it's not competing and butting heads, you know, with, uh, with, you know, the NFL and stuff like that. And so I, I actually, you know, I'm, I'm hoping uh, that maybe this lends itself to revisiting when the actual, for example, just with the NBA, when well, the regular season yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then like, like the long seasons aren't really made for, I mean, they're kind of for TV, but they're not really made for, for the owners to sell lots of butts and see, because if you only got right. home games um, for a basketball season, um, you know, you're always saying, well, let's, let's do 10 more, you know, let's do, let's do five more uh, so we can get some, some more in, in, in stadium revenue. Um, but if there is no, <laughs> there's nobody in the stands, the maybe, maybe we can, we can focus that, that attention uh, these seasons into uh, right. you know, shorter than hockey and basketball and baseball. Those are, those are some pretty long, pretty long seasons where the beginning is, so it's, it's like hard to pay attention. <laughs> right, right, right. No, no, totally. I mean, I, I agree. I think that, I think all the leagues should actually shorten their seasons. I mean, I, and I'm a traditionalist too, which is, so it's odd for you know, someone like me to say it, but I think the NBA should be 65 to 70 games. Same for yeah. the NHL. I think baseball should be 120 to 130 I like uh, that myself too. I can't, I can't follow all the teams. I like the, I, but that's just me. I, I, my, uh, my, it's, it's like, uh, whenever they have a character into my favorite <laughs> TV series, I'm like, okay, I'm done. I can't, I can't remember. Right. another one. <laughs> right. Right. No, yeah, definitely. Um, well, this was an awesome conversation, Trevor. I learned an absolute ton. Uh, really, really, you know, enjoyed having you on the pod. Um, thank you so much for joining us and, uh, yeah, really, really, I thought this was a really great conversation and it was very, very informative uh, for all the different things with regards to sports and broadcasts and gaming. And um, of course, you know, how it ties into sports betting and crypto and, um, you know, the current situation we're facing with COVID. Uh, So thanks again for having uh, the time to come on and appreciate you uh, joining us today. It's great, Mark. Thanks a lot. And as sports winds up, let's talk about AR and uh, and gambling and fantasy sports. I think there's some really neat, uh, really neat, 
um, innovations yet to happen uh, with augmented reality. I know you're interested in that, and, and yeah. it's 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 hard to it's hard to nail down. It requires a conversation and and some uh, and some playing it out. Yeah, definitely. Let's let's definitely talk more about that. So cool. Uh, well, have a great day, Trevor, and uh, we'll talk soon. You too. Bye for now. Take care.